It's really, it's really lovely, actually, to be up and just speaking to family, and that's how I feel this morning. So thank you all for that. It's really nice. Um, so as Richard said, my name's Don Keong, um, and I've been in Church Central now for about 12 and a half years, I calculated, actually. Um, I'm married to Sam, and we have three children, Ava, who was eight this week, and then we have twins, Sienna and Nathaniel, who are coming five. Um, and I'm also a GP. Um, I'm a GP in Northfield, for those of you who uh, know Birmingham well. And I've worked in general practice for about eight years in various parts of the city. Um, and I think part of the reason why I've been asked to speak today is general practice is a profession where we aim to make caring central to what we do. We, we don't always succeed in every situation, but we try our best. Um, to make that central. And the other thing is we get the privilege to sometimes care for people long term um, because it is a profession that looks after patients from the cradle to the grave. And so you often find yourself walking with people through quite protracted periods of their life and seeing them on a fairly regular basis. Um, and because of this job, I get the privilege to see how care can impact people day to day. And I also get to see the way that people care for each other. And I see a heck of a lot of that in the work that I do. Um, and observing the way that people commit to care is incredibly humbling and inspiring. Um, I have patients who um, really humble me in the way they care for one another. Um, I've got a patient who um, lives in a wheelchair and um, his neighbour cares for him. Um, so the neighbour puts on his compression stockings, drives him to all his appointments, takes him out and about to the shops and has been doing that for years. Um, I have another patient who needs some help with his medication. He, he has to have it in small doses, so he needs people to give him the medicine every week. Um, he's quite isolated. He doesn't know that many people. And so actually his friend's parents every week bring him his medicine and they've been doing that for years and that's the care that I get to see in my job and I watch families and friends care for each other through mental illness and terminal illness and chronic disease every day um, and I don't know about you but when I get to see care like this it's incredibly moving and it reminds me of everything that is wonderful about people and relationships and community. Um, for those of us who are Christians in the room, um, the Bible is full of messages to care and we know that. Um, the Bible says things like be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. And it says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. And it says things like, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And when I hear the stories of care from my patients or I read about the stories of compassion in the Bible, I want to do it. I can feel this need tangibly. I can see need all around me. And I can see how important it is that I get involved in this caring. 
Um, and I see people consumed by the cause. That they're having refugees to stay in their homes. They're cooking meals for the homeless. They're visiting the same elderly person week in and week out for years. And I want to commit to care and I want to run towards it. But then I hesitate. Because going around in my, my head is this question, how do I really pour myself out for others without burning out? Because I think that's the tension that many of us can face when we think about caring long term. We want to do it, but it can feel overwhelming to commit to the cause to care long term when we're juggling so many other things in life and we've already got schedules that are full to the brim. And some of the thoughts that go through my head are things like, I'd love to do it, but I don't want to. And I'd probably lose that one precious evening off in the week if I get involved in this. And I want to commit to this, but I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to see it through to the end. Or I'm scared I won't have the emotional capacity to deal with this massive situation in front of me. Um, or X person does this so well, I seriously don't know how they do it, and I know that I couldn't. Um, and every blog and vlog and book that I pick up also tells me, well, you need to have time for self-care. Me time, work-life balance, or you're going to fry and you're going to burn out. So what's the right answer? Um, how can we walk in the tension of others without burning out ourselves? Well, you're here at Big Questions today, and as Rich has already said really nicely for me, um, some of you will know that we don't stand up here pretending to have all the answers or the monopoly on this. So unfortunately, you're not going to get that from me today. Um, but we do believe that God speaks to us through the Bible, and that the Bible has some really important things to say on this matter. Um, and I want to share with you today some of the experiences that I'm learning in this walk. Um, and I am very much a learner in it. Um, I'm nowhere near at the end of it. But it's a real privilege to try and share some of that with you today. Um, this is my first time speaking at Church Central, um, so I've decided to play it really safe and stick with three points. Um, <laughs> um, so um, I've done that, I've put things into three headings, but technically I've squeezed two things into the third heading, but I've also seen the leaders do that all the time, so I think I'm allowed to do that. Um, and I want to talk about the three ways to live in this tension, um, which I'm learning are know your source, know yourself, and know your lane. Um, so starting first with knowing your source. Um, in this tension of loving and not burning out, I first want to admit that I am not the best barometer for myself in recognizing how I'm doing on this matter. Um, and I'm not great at keeping myself topped up um, with all the passion and the enthusiasm that I need. Um, I have to say that I don't have enough time this morning to tell you the times that I found myself really overwhelmed um, in caring for others and um, perhaps when I felt a little bit burned out. And I've rarely seen it coming. Um, there's been a number of times when I find myself in a position of feeling that I have very little to give out to other people. Um, but somehow, I'm committed. 
I'm on the router. I'm the doctor. I've signed up to this, and here I am. <laughs> um, and, and I find it slipping into my speech. Um, things like, I really should ring that person, or I ought to check in on that colleague at work, or I'm so tired, but they're expecting me to do X or Y. Um, and the feelings of being overwhelmed start to prickle. Um, and suddenly I can feel that I'm not really in the groove anymore. I'm not really feeling it. My heart's not really in it. Um, and so here is my frequent solution when I'm feeling this way. I strip it all back. What's hard? What's draining me here? Let's get rid of it. Cut it out. Bring it to a close. Have a break. Do something fun. Have a retreat. Um, and, and then I think, and be careful not to get into this situation again. You know what happened last time. Don't sign up for anything. Keep life simple, because if you overcommit, remember what happened. Um, and so I'm not saying today that either of those perspectives are completely wrong. Um, I think there are times where we love when we're not feeling it and we care when it doesn't feel really easy. And I think there's other times when you really have to pull it back and rest and keep life simple. But I'm starting to learn about a pattern for loving others that doesn't leave me swinging constantly between, between these two extremes. And it's the pattern of Jesus. Um, because, some, because somehow when I look at the pattern of the way Jesus loved in the Bible, he seemed to get it so right. Um, and perhaps for many of you here, perhaps even if you're not a Christian, you might know about the care of Jesus. Um, it's often depicted on stained glass windows in churches, um, full of light and peace and serenity, and these images of love that he's giving out. Um, a far cry from my feelings of hurried and flustered at times. Um, but the care of Jesus was risky, and it was also costly, and it happened in the humdrum of life, and he was frequently stopped in his tracks by need all around him. Um, and he met that need with compassion and care and peace. He never told anybody to go away or um, he didn't go off for a retreat and leave them all to it for days on end. Um, and his care wasn't perfectly ordered in this is the time that I care and this is my work-life balance. He was ready when need presented to meet it. And the care of Jesus was so costly that it led to him dying on a cross for me and for you. Um, and how did he do this? <laughs> um, well, John Tyson describes the pace of Jesus as walking with God and then working with God. Um, so put differently, the care of Jesus was about times of retreat, um, not to a spa or a fitness class, though those things are, I'm sure, very, very good. Um, but his retreat was time to replenish with his father, praying and spending time in the presence of God. And through those times of replenishment, he was fueled up and filled up to go out and deliver compassion and care recklessly and lavishly. And it's in those times of prayer and replenishment that I'm learning that I'm replenished too. 
Um, it's where I'm reminded that first and foremost, I'm cared for long time, long term by God. He cares for me. Um, and that started um, long before I knew him. And it's care for right now and it's care for what's around the corner as well. Um, it's in those times of his presence that I'm reminded what he says about me, what he believes about me, um, where truth comes back in place about who I am, that I'm accepted by him and all the mistakes that I made in my caring yesterday and all the things that I should have said and didn't do um, go away in his love and I can start again. And it's where he reminds me that the things that are scaring me up ahead, he's going to give me everything that I need to do the work that he has for me. I'm learning that in those times, he shows me the way he sees others as well. Um, he shows me how he feels about the people that I care for, and that ultimately he's got them and he cares for them. And it's in those times that my perspective gets realigned again. I can bring him my day and I can ask him what's important for this day. And it's where I'm sometimes gently convicted about what's not important, despite what I tell myself. <laughs> um, and where actually the important life-giving stuff is going to be. Um, it's where God tells me things like this. He says, um, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land um, and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And it's in those times of prayer and God's presence that I'm starting to recognize his voice. And I'm really grateful for Johnny's word earlier, but that still small voice of Jesus is, is where I can hear it when I'm being quiet with him. So that when it's hugely busy in my clinic and when I'm inevitably running late, if you're ever my patient, you will know this, it's what happens. Um, and um, where I could really do with the next patient being a simple tonsillitis because I haven't had a cup of tea yet and then they're not a simple tonsillitis or something much more complex that I can hear that voice saying to me, okay, it's this patient today. This is the one I want you to speak to. This is the one to slow down for and to stop the clock and to listen. Um, or sometimes it's something really simple like um, tell them they're a good parent. Um, uh, or sometimes it's knowing that mm, that colleague, maybe I should just knock on their door today and check that they're all right. Um, so that's knowing your source. Um, knowing yourself. Um, so I, I wanted to bring this paper today, partly because it was, <laughs> it was done in Northern Ireland. Yes. Um, and uh, it was also done by a junior doctor. So she just qualified from medical school and she did this amazing piece of research. So, um, and what she did was she wanted to understand from patients what they think caring is. Um, so she asked them to tell her lots and lots of stories of times that they'd felt cared for by their doctors. Um, and this is what came through, um, that the care, oh, can we go back a wee bit? Sorry, Jean. Uh, sorry. Um, that the care was genuine. It was individual. Um, it was accessible, so they felt that they could relate to the doctor. And it was little things. It wasn't about big heroic acts, um, but it was simple, simple little things that met them in their time of need. Um, and I think what's relevant in this talk is that care for the patients was individual. So it took into account who they were as individuals, but the doctors themselves were individuals 
There wasn't some sort of formula for care. Every doctor did it a little bit differently, but it still felt like care. It was okay for them to be who they were and care in a way that was natural for them. Um, and so part of learning for me to care like Jesus is about thinking through who God has created me to be um, and what he's given me that I can share with others. Um, now, many of you will know that I'm married to Sam, and he's one of the most amazing cooks in the world. Um, he can somehow rustle up meals for 20 people without breaking a sweat, and it always tastes amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But when Sam isn't around and you've just got me, um, I am a terrible cook. Um, and even if I can functionally churn you out a bit of cheese and toast, you can guarantee that there will be no heart in it. Um, and when it's me and Sam isn't around, um, I've learned to play to my strengths, which tend to center around chatting to people. Um, so you probably find yourself chatting to me somehow. Um, you might get a cup of tea out of me, but many of the people who come to our house find that they're probably better off making it themselves. Um, but life for me feels full when I am sat and listening and talking to people and praying and building relationships. That's how I love to care. Um, but then actually when we're a family, it looks a little bit different, partly because one half of us can cook, so that's great, um, and partly because God has given us an open plan living room, which is great, and a driveway that people can park their cars on. Um, so care for us as a family usually involves having people round and having a meal, because that's what we've got, and that's what we can give, and that's what we love to do, um, and we delight in the way that God's provided that for us. And life feels really full when we can give that away and share that with other people. Um, so as well as knowing what I can do, I think knowing myself is also about knowing my nose and my warning signs. Um, so I think partly in those times with God, when I'm in his presence, um, he can show me graciously what the priorities might be for today or for a particular season. And I think as a church, God does that for us as well. I think when we meet together and we pray together, we get a sense of what God's doing in our church and what he has for us in the city and what care looks for us like as a church in our city. And knowing where you're going can be really helpful in knowing where you need to stay away from, where the absolute no's are for this particular situation. Um, and that's incredibly helpful as a guide. And I think that also relates to knowing your capacity and your time. Um, I see this most obviously when it comes to my days in general practice. Um, so they're really long days and I get home quite late and I have very little left in my physical, mental and emotional tank at the end of the day. Um, so it's very unlikely that I will schedule in a telephone conversation with somebody who might need a little bit of a chat at the end of that day. Um, partly because you won't get the best of me, but also it's unlikely to be effective. <laughs> um, and so I think it's about understanding where that capacity and where that time is and where you're going to be doing your best. Um, I think there's seasons of life when that happens too, when you can look ahead and go, um, this is the priority for this season. And so it can be really helpful to know, well, that's a definite no. Even though it's really good, our priorities here so we need to say no to that right now. Even if it's incredibly good, 
it's likely to feel a bit fruitless and draining. Um, I think knowing myself in this also involves knowing my warning signs as well. And I've mentioned some of those to you already. I think for me, um, it's signs that when I'm not living out of God's replenishment, when I'm working with God, but I'm not walking with him. Um, and it slips into my speech. That's one of my signs. I find myself with a lot of shoulds, oughts, expecting. They're expecting me to. And I can hear myself talking and you go, whoa, where's this come from? Um, and those are sometimes warning signs for me. Um, thankfully, my amazing husband not only cooks, but he's a really useful barometer for me in this area because, as I said before, I'm not a particularly good barometer myself. Um, and I think sometimes it's about inviting other people in, um, maybe having situations where you can check in with them and think, how am I doing here? How are we doing here? Um, and and then being able to maybe call out, look, you're looking a bit drained. How are things going? You seem to be getting a bit overwhelmed. What's happening? Um, I think others can have an amazing insight um, into how things are going, um, and it's useful to invite them in. Um, I think knowing myself is also about knowing when it's time to ask for help. So I realize that up until now, a lot of this talk has been framed around us caring for others. Um, but actually, for everyone here, there will always be a time when we need care for ourselves as well. And that's for many different reasons, um, but it doesn't reflect how closely we're walking with God or how much we're caring for others. That doesn't make us immune to times of trouble in life. Um, and I think for us, um, when our twins were born, that was a time for us when we really needed to ask for help. Um, and having twins was a real blessing um, on two fronts, partly because they're really cute. And that was great. Um, but it gave us permission to ask for help um, because everybody knows that two babies is hard. Um, so you've got a legitimate reason that you can stick your hand up and you can say, OK, I'm not OK. This is really hard. Um, and I have to say, I mean, the church stepped up. You were amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and we are still living in the good of that now. And we still regularly have help um, from people in all different ways um, with the kids. Um, but it re made me reflect on my first time of being a mum um, when we just had one kid. And that was our eldest. Um, and in my mind, that was just as hard because I didn't take to it naturally, and it wasn't like a duck to water, and it wasn't easy. Um, but it never really occurred to me for months and months and months that I was allowed to ask for help, because everybody has babies, so surely I should just suck it up and get on with it. Um, and having the twins, for me, was a revelation of what it's like when you ask for help. Um, and how willingly that help came, and how amazing it was when that help came. And that actually, by asking for that help, many of my relationships in church that had been fairly functional until that point suddenly became deeper, um, they were filled with more authenticity, and they were filled with more depth, and they've carried on being deep friendships five years later. Um, so if you're not quite at the, I want to care for others long-term bit yet today, I really want you to know that you're in a place where that's okay, where I would expect that people in this room are in that place today. 
Um, and I hope that you're in a place where you're receiving love and care through others that's reflecting the love of God for you. Um, and if you're like I was with our eldest, where you could really do with some love at the minute, but you somehow think, things aren't bad enough, maybe I need to wait till they get a bit worse before I'm allowed to ask for help, um, or it just doesn't seem legitimate enough, um, I'd really want to encourage you to um, reach out for it. I wish I'd done it sooner, and we will leave some opportunity at the end if, if you want to do that. Um, so the final point, know your lane, is the shortest of the three, but it is the one where I squeezed two in. Um, but in knowing ourselves and what we can bring to care for others, I think knowing our lane is really important. Um, because it's so easy, isn't it? You look around and you see examples of amazing people doing amazing things to care for others. And it compels us to want to do the same. And, and that's a good thing. Um, but I think where it can start to unravel for me is when I start to emulate the pattern of other people and how they care instead of um, thinking through what Jesus has for me and having his perspective on things. Um, so the Bible says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And I've seen so many examples in this church of care and love for other people, but it always plays out in different ways. People do it differently and they thrive on doing different things. People get so excited about doing stuff that I think, oh my goodness, that sounds horrendous. Um, you know, <laughs> some people are fantastic at doing the coffee and the meeting up and the praying for people and they love that and they thrive on it. Um, for others, it's about being reliably there, the lift giver, the supermarket trip, um, always reliable and always responsible. Um, for others, it's about helping people read through books or reading through the Bible together. Um, or I just met, I met somebody today, I won't embarrass them, but I met them at church. They were so excited to connect people together. They were bouncing with the joy of it. Um, and that's how they love to care, by making connections and building relationships and seeing relationships grow. And it was lovely to watch them. They were really excited. Um, but I think when knowing about our lane, the second point is knowing where Jesus's lane is in all of this. Um, and that's been one of the biggest perspective changers for me in all of this caring for others. Um, because the reality is um, a lot of my patients don't get better quickly. Um, and a lot of really difficult, complex situations don't change as quickly as I would like them to. Um, and if I'm honest, that scares and it saddens me <laughs> and it can leave me feeling massively dejected at times because we don't always see the stories of success or restoration that we're desperate to see when we want to see them. So why do I keep getting up to go to work to tweak chronic diseases with medication or keep seeing the same patient who's feeling the bereavement pain 10 years on? or still meeting up with the teenager who hasn't quite yet grasped how much value they are in this world um, and that they matter. 
And, and I can get burdened by that at times. It's like I'm carrying them round in a rucksack on my back, all these worries for all these people. Um, but I think the most important message of Jesus is that he blows my feeble attempts to care out of the water. He counted the hairs on my head before I was even born, and he says that he'll never leave me. And he tells us that we're loved enough that he would die for us even before we loved him back. Um, and it's his very safe and very strong hands that carry me, but that also carry the people that I care about. The people that I lug around in my rucksack um, are much better off in his hands than lugged around by me. Um, because Jesus knows that everything that they're going through, he knows it. He knows what's around the corner and he knows what they need right now. And so that person is much better off with him and the responsibility for care is his, it's not mine. Um, so in terms of some practical messages, um, I think it's fair to say that I haven't cracked all these three things and I'm forever learning one, forgetting one, picking one back up again. Um, so the practical things that I want to give are things that I'm learning that are trying to keep these three things fresh in my mind all the time. Um, and the first is um, to find time to replenish in God's presence. And I think I've kind of touched on that already. And I know that in Church Central, we have covered that before. Um, so we've talked recently about finding disciplines to carve out time with Jesus and to find that time of replenishment. Um, I think for me, it's an ongoing process of learning what's going to work in each season of life. Um, and it's ultimately about resisting the pull for me of the very important job list um, and learning that actually if I don't have that time to replenish, it's the thing that slips the easiest, but the thing that I need the most. Um, and so I need to keep reminding myself of that. Um, the second is to incorporate time to know myself. Um, and I think that does happen in those times of replenishment with God. It's where he tells me things about me that are true and helps me to know myself better. But I think it also happens in our conversation with other people and in the way that we encourage each other as a church. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful for the way that people have encouraged me in this room over the years and where they've actually noticed things that I'm doing and seem to thrive on. And they say, oh, well done, or that was really good, or that really helped me. And you start to get a sense of who God's made you to be. Um, so I think it's reflecting on that and inviting other people in um, to tell you what you're great at. It's lovely, trust me, it's really nice. <laughs> and thank you to everybody who's done that for me over the years. Um, it might also sound a little bit dry, but we actually do schedule in family meetings to do this as well. Um, so for us, it's a termly thing, um, but it is actually about thinking, what does this season look like for us as a family? What have we got? What capacity do we have? What are the yeses? What are the no's? Some simple goalposts so that if decisions arise over the next three months, I've got some goalposts that I can say, oh, that's a definite no, or that might be a yes. Um, and that's really helpful. And it's where we also reflect back and go, oh, that didn't work so well, or I wish we hadn't done that. And we, and we learn to do things a little bit differently. Um, the third is to think through who I'm partnering with, because doing the caring thing needs a community, um, and God has given us one here at church. These seats are filled with gold, <laughs> they really are, um, and it's been amazing to care together 
for each other as a family um, and to learn and see that over the past 12 years here. Um, and I would really encourage you, um, if you are feeling a little bit isolated at the moment in the care that you're doing, because um, it can be hard work sometimes if you're doing it on your own, um, to invite people in. Um, and I'd be happy to talk to you about how I've done that and, and ways that that's worked for us um, at the end. I won't go into it too much now. Um, but finally, I think it's about a rhythm that whoever I'm caring for goes back to Jesus. Um, so I'm kind of squeezing in two things again here, but again, I think it's allowed. Um, I think this firstly relates to taking steps to making sure that I'm praying for the people that I'm caring for. Um, and that I'm remembering that Jesus has them first. And sometimes it's a really simple thing between patients, just God, thank you that you've got that person. It doesn't have to be, you know, fasting and praying for every single one all the time. Um, but without that, I find myself slipping. I have a tendency to fret and put them back in my rucksack again. Um, but I think the second thing, and the thing I want to leave with is, in caring for others, um, especially if they know Jesus, but even if they don't, it's looking for ways to help them find him. Um, because he is the ultimate doctor here. He is the ultimate carer. He is the one that knows them the best. And I find myself rambling on for hours with someone with all my wisdom that isn't much and a bit of pop psychology thrown in. Um, and then we just stop and pray. And within seconds, God shifts the whole situation and does something in them and in their heart and in their mind that I could never do with all of my words. Um, because ultimately, God's got the monopoly on caring and we just have the privilege um, to walk with him and then work with him. So thank you very much.